Think about when you were a child. Or maybe even think about how your own child makes sure that you know what they want for Christmas. When I was little, I would leave notes for my parents all over the house with, here's what I want. I would circle the item in any catalog or or sales promotional flyer that arrived in the house. I would point at it every time that item came up on a commercial on television. Now today, my daughter sends me random emails with links attached to them of anything that she's interested in, or she's even gone as far as to create an Amazon wish list and sends it to me frequently. Another approach she's taken was sending me a Pinterest board with all of the things that were appropriate to give to her now that she's hit her teenage years. These actions are our first real efforts to campaign for something that we want. We're tenacious about it. So why is it that we don't take that same tenacity and apply it to building out campaigns about the services that we provide that we really know will be beneficial to those we serve. That's what I want to talk about on today's episode of The Pursuit of Purpose. Successful brands are rooted in purpose and driven by the potential to make a positive impact on their customers. Welcome to The Pursuit of Purpose with Amy Austin. Each week, Amy brings you practical advice to embrace the power of purpose in all aspects of your business and transform it into the central storyline for your branding and marketing strategies. A couple of years ago, a colleague of mine and I worked on a three-part workshop that we wanted to offer to business leaders in our area. We spent a significant amount of time on the content, collaborating on the development of worksheets, PowerPoints, evaluating locations before ultimately scheduling one. We spent hours pulling all this together. To promote it, we reached out to people on our contact lists. We created a Facebook event and we invited our followers. And then, of course, we shared posts on our Facebook pages, both our business and our personal pages. Would you call this a campaign? Some might. Personally, I don't. The people we were reaching were lucky to see the information once, maybe twice. That is not enough. I feel we've lost track of what a campaign really is. If you are placing an ad on Facebook, Facebook will tell you that you're creating a campaign. And if you're writing an email sequence, chances are the email platform you are using has created a tutorial on how to set this up And in that tutorial, they've called it an email campaign. By definition, a campaign is a series of events meant to move you to a specific outcome. In the example that I shared, our outcome was the workshop. And while you could consider Facebook posts, email, and personal invitations a series of events, each of those needs to be seen repeatedly to be effective, and I doubt our efforts resulted in enough visibility. When I was in the hospital marketing department and working on one of the mini image campaigns that I helped to coordinate, I was told that the media buy, meaning how much we were putting into the time that that the ads would appear on television, on the radio, and in the newspaper, 
that that media buy should cost one and a half times the total cost of what it took to produce the work. So if you apply the same principle to the effort that we put into creating the service we are trying to promote with the email campaign or the Facebook ad campaign or any other elements that we use to promote it, we have failed miserably. Because I'm guessing most of us, me included, do not put more effort into promoting the service than we do into developing the service. Because how many of us aim for perfection before we will start talking about anything that we're working on that needs to be promoted? So let's think about that for a minute. If you're developing something like an online course, you might spend anywhere in the neighborhood of 50 or more hours developing that new service. Because what are you doing? You're concepting. You have to write the program. You probably have to shoot videos, upload it to the course platform, test all the automations, shoot some photos. And then, of course, there's all the logistics necessary to accomplish all of those tasks. Now, if you're lucky enough and you have a team that's working on those tasks, you might accomplish it in less total time, or I should say in less individual time. But you need to consider if you have four team members and they each work four hours, that's still 16 hours worth of total work that was put into it. Now, that might be less than if it was just you individually, but it's still 16 hours in in comparison. For assumption purposes, let's say we worked 50 hours to develop this new service. One and a half times that would be 75 hours worth of work that should go into promoting that online course that you're talking about. When creating a campaign to promote an online course or really any other service, you need to focus on getting in front of your target audience in a variety of different ways, repeatedly, and with a clear and consistent message. After I recorded last week's episode, I happened to listen to Donald Miller's Building a Story Brand episode, which was number 219, How to Make Any Communication Campaign a Success. Let me tell you, I listened to it and I thought, why did I not listen to this before I recorded last week's episode? During his conversation, he talked about five pieces of collateral that should be created for any campaign. And he also talked about the importance of creating the core story you need to share and then adapt it for each of these pieces of collateral that you're going to create. So what are those five pieces of collateral that he believes that you should have in any successful campaign? A speech, a corporate video, social media posts, a press release, and an internal and external email. So Miller went on to share that he came up with this idea, and I'm sure that's not, this isn't where it all started for him, but, but where it kind of all came together as that how important this was, was when he heard a keynote presentation from Bob Iger. And now if you don't know who Bob Iger is, he is the chairman at Disney and all of the Disney-owned organizations. So not just Disney World, but ESPN and ABC and all of that. The story that Iger shared was about how they went about introducing him to all of the various enterprises under the Disney umbrella when he became the CEO. 
the Disney team worked with Iger to create his introductory message that would be shared across the company. He went to all the major properties, Anaheim, Orlando, Paris, Tokyo, Hong Kong, ESPN headquarters, I believe are in in Connecticut, ABC in New York City. He went all over because they are a worldwide organization. There were videos created and shared to employees across all aspects of the business. He presented speeches at every location. There was a press release issued across the media. And of course, there was lots of social media buzz. It was a very well-coordinated campaign. The vision Iger had for Disney and his role as the new CEO was clearly communicated and confidently delivered both internally to their teams and externally to those that follow Disney. Iger said when he was hired, he was given a playbook by someone, and I didn't write down his name, but this person had been involved with several major presidential and political campaigns. Essentially, this playbook outlined everything necessary to introduce a political candidate to their constituents and build momentum around their vision. That's exactly what they what Disney needed to do to introduce Iger across the board. And equally, it is important to consider all the audiences that need to be aware of your efforts. And that means internally in your company as well as externally to the people that you serve. While in theory, I agree with Miller's assessment that a campaign needs to include the creation of a consistent story told in multiple mediums, both internally and externally of your business, I don't want to give you the impression that those five things are the only things that you should be doing. So let's talk about those five things. A speech and a video could really become one and the same. You could present your speech in a live feed and then convert it to a video. But I also believe that Miller's point is that a corporate video may dig in a bit deeper to the core message than what you deliver in a speech. The video then can be used at a variety of events to a variety of different segments of your audience, and in the case of Bob Iger, was probably used for events catered to employees who were unable to attend in-person events where he delivered the speech. But the point is, it was a consistent message delivered to your audiences in the place they are likely to see and hear it. So that took care of two of them. The third one on his list was a press release. And a press release is not used nearly as often as it used to be. And I think that's largely because traditional media doesn't use them in the same way that they did probably even 10 years ago. But a press release can serve as the basis of multiple tactics. It could help get you the attention of traditional media if you need that. But you could also use it to pitch podcast hosts and entice them to talk to you about your new service on their shows. You could send it to business journals or other trade publications that may be looking for content. And that would get you in front of a very specific target audience. And maybe that is... Maybe that's a great way to be able to reach those that you're trying to serve. Additionally, a press release can hold a space 
on your website if you have a news section. So it's kind of just like that billboard, your own personal news channel, if you will. And it can help create a new level of credibility for your service, for you, and for your brand. Number four on that list of collateral is social media posts. And we all, I think we're probably all very familiar with what that could look like. But essentially, it's about repurposing that core message into visual and short microblog style messaging. My biggest suggestion with social media posts is to make sure that you're taking advantage of the targeting that's available on those platforms. And also, know which platform your audience is most frequently on. And lastly, don't be afraid to post often and repeat your messages. And number five on the list of key pieces of collateral to create is, of course, email. Create a sequence of emails that shares the key elements of your core story. Email this to both your mailing list, but also to your internal team to make sure that all staff are aware of what the messages that are being sent to the external audiences that they serve. If there is anything that I learned from working in a large academic medical center, staff appreciate knowing what is going to be talked about publicly before it is shared publicly. By sharing internally before you go to the external audience, you're setting your staff up to be well-informed advocates for your brand. And trust me, this is important. Now, certainly there are many other tactics that you can incorporate into your campaign efforts. Direct mail still works. In fact, outside of a political campaign year, I think it could be a highly effective element of a campaign based solely on the infrequency of use. It would be considered a unique approach and may create an even more memorable interaction than some of the other opportunities you might take advantage of. Webinars and workshops can also be another valuable tactic to consider, especially if you need to educate your audience in order to generate interest to take the next step with working with you. Traditional advertising still holds a valuable place in the list of campaign tactics. If you need to reach a broad market, television, radio, and print is probably a good opportunity or a a good venue for you to consider. There's a reason why they're called mass communications. They reach the masses. So weigh that option. Really consider whether or not it's the best thing for you to do because it can be, and likely will be, the most expensive expensive tactic you'd consider. Another thing to add about making sure your internal staff is included in the communication loop is that when your internal team understands the communication going out of the organization, they are going to feel more invested and valued, and they will become some of your best advocates when you treat them as a partner in the business. So kind of building on that, I was listening to another podcast recently, an interview on the Marketing Book Podcast with Douglas Burdett. He was talking with Tom Searcy, the author of Life After the Death of Selling, How to Thrive in the New Era of Sales. The piece of information from this conversation that I believe is relevant to campaigns is what he called the adoption ratio. For his purposes, this ratio is a metric that his team's track when they go into an organization to assist with their sales process. In order for their strategies that they're implementing or that they're recommending to be successful, 
the sales team internally needs to buy into that concept and actually use or implement them. When this happens, Searcy's team refers to that as the adoption ratio. So the more frequently that it's used, the higher the adoption ratio. When thinking of rolling out a campaign both internally and externally, it is important to understand that the internal team knows, understands, and supports the effort. So coming up with your own version of an adoption ratio could be beneficial to your business and the success of your campaign. Think about how can you make sure that they understand or that they're aware or maybe even track how many times you've shared the presentation or at least track that you've shared it to all the departments or all the managers or or make sure that you give them pieces to be able to take back to their departments to be able to post internally, whatever that might look like. But there's a number of ways that you'd be able to do that to ensure that your campaign is more successful. So let's go back to that workshop example that I shared at the beginning of the episode. Could we have had a better attendance and potentially landed some client work from our workshop if we'd implemented a more comprehensive and thorough campaign? Absolutely. And did we learn a few things from this experience? Of course we did. Now let me share with you another example, a more recent one. Remember me mentioning the brand confidence mastermind I was starting? Well, guess what? I didn't practice my own advice. I basically mentioned it on the podcast a few times, shared it at a networking meeting once or twice, and then hoped it would generate some interest. Was I intentional in my efforts? No. Did I map out my core messages and share it in multiple places? Places where I knew my audience would be? No. I mean, sort of. But I did exactly what I said I shouldn't be doing. I spent a lot of time researching how to put it together. I talked to multiple people who have done programs similar to what I want to offer. I talked to people who I thought were within the target audience that this would appeal to. I created a page on my website, and then I did about an eighth of the work that I should have done to promote it. Let's get back into the habit of being intentional and thorough in our efforts and realistic. Do you respond the first time you hear about a program or service that might be exactly what you need? I doubt it. So what makes us think someone will respond to ours the first time they see or hear about it? On that note, I have not given up or moved on from the idea of the Brand Confidence Mastermind. I am looking for 6 to 10 people or businesses to join me in a beta test of the program. As a beta member, you'll get half off the membership for the length of the time that you stay in the program. In return for the discounted opportunity, I ask you to provide constructive feedback on the format, what's working or not working, what you'd like to see more of or maybe less of, and that if you are seeing value from it, that you allow me to share your story as a testimonial. If you're interested in knowing more about this opportunity, send me a message at any of the primary ways to reach me, email, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram or message me through my website. I'll make sure that there is a link prominently featured on the show notes page for you. Speaking of the show notes, 
On that page, I am also going to link a one-sheet marketing campaign guide that I use to map out my own campaign development. It includes key buckets of information to consider, including a section for indicating the types of tactics that you'll be using to create a multi-tactic campaign to get the word out about your latest efforts. Thank you for staying with me on this in-depth conversation about campaigns. I look forward to talking to you again next week. This has been the Pursuit of Purpose podcast presented by Austin Marketing. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast player. Head over to amyaustinmarketing.com for links and resources mentioned in today's show, as well as ways to subscribe and connect with Amy. Thanks for listening.